Okay, here we go. We are going through the New Testament in a year. We are in Luke's Gospel. Luke is the physician. He's a Gentile. He traveled with Paul. He put together this Gospel through careful research. He interviewed a lot of the principals involved, the people involved. And so he's telling us the story, the account of Jesus Christ. So here we go. Luke, the physician, telling us about Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is not like we would think of the wilderness. We think of wilderness maybe as forests. Uh, there it would be the barren lands. There's a lot of barren land in that uh, <clears throat> part of the country, that part of the world, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, 40 shows up quite a bit in the Bible. It's usually identified uh, with judgment sometimes. So here's 40. And he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of those days, he was hungry. I guess so. If it was a 40-day fast, he would be on the edge of death, really. And the devil said to him, so the devil comes to him at his weakest moment. Now, that should teach us something. That's something we should be aware of. That's something we should notice. That the devil comes to you in your weakest moments comes to you in your vulnerable moments, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're at odds with people. He will come to you and tempt you. And he says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Well, Jesus is out there in the wilderness, and there's a lot of stones out there where he is. And, uh, you know, you start to reach that place where, you know, now your, your body's going to start eating itself if you haven't uh, eaten in that long and so maybe uh, even the stones look like bread, maybe even. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. There's more important things than bread. There's more important things than life. Jesus answers with the scripture. Now we're going to come back to that in just a moment. So the devil led him up to a high place, and he showed him in an instance all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. Well, number one, Jesus doesn't question this idea that Satan maybe has power and authority over nations and over the world. So in the first temptation, he's appealing to his bodily needs. And our bodily needs turn into lusts and desires, but we have these needs. Now he is... Uh, appealing to something else. Uh, I will give you power. I will give you reputation. People will think highly of you. You will be in control of all of this. Wouldn't you like to be in control of everything? And Jesus answered, worship the Lord and serve him only. Only worship God. Jesus is above everything else. He's above everything. Put him above everything. Put him above school. Put him above career. Put him above marriage. Put him above family. If you put Jesus on the top, you're going to be okay. The other day, I was driving my granddaughter to school, and she was telling me, she said, uh, Papa, she said, I love you, and I love Nini. And I said, oh, that's nice. And then she went through this whole list of people, family people, and uh, people in our extended family that she loved. And then she said, but I have to tell you, that I love Jesus more than all of you. <laughs> and I thought, yes, exactly. That's the, that's the place to put it. You know, if you put Jesus first and, and all of those other people on the downstream, 
they're all going to benefit. So worship the Lord and worship Him alone. Not, nothing else. Don't worship anything else. Not, not sports, not career, not family, not success, uh, not your home, uh, nothing. And so worship the Lord and serve Him only. So appealing to uh, that power need, that need for reputation. And then Jesus led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Well, it's saying that, you know, God will protect you and God provides protection for you. And it seems that there's this idea of what people call a guardian angel, angels watching over you. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to a test. And then the angel finished tempting him and left him for a more opportune time. That more opportune time will be when he's going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. But um, this basic sin temptation it comes in categories. In the book of Genesis, when they are tempted in the garden, they're tempted with the lust of the eyes. Take a look at that thing. That looks good. The lust of the flesh that will meet some sort of physical need, physical desire that you have. Uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pride of life being somebody. And really, uh, Jesus is tempted in these same categories. Uh, the lust of the flesh, you know, here, feed yourself with this. Uh, take these and, and do a miracle, do a trick. You know, turn these into, turn these into bread. Brings them up with the, the pride of life. Uh, the lust of the flesh, uh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And so all of this will be yours. You'll, you'll show off and everybody will think you're something. And so watch out. That's the way that you'll be tempted. You'll be tempted with your eyes. You'll see things that you'll want them. You'll be tempted with your flesh. You'll want to fulfill the desires of that flesh. And with the pride of life, thinking that you're better than somebody else or you know, trying to gain some reputation or some one-upmanship on somebody. So... There you have it. Uh, verse 14, Jesus returned to the Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So for, the synagogues were set up after the Babylonian captivity. This isn't something that they had all throughout their history, but they were exported into Babylon when Babylon conquered them. When they came back, they put it in these synagogues, and synagogues would be in localities, towns, cities, villages. It's not necessary that they every village had one, but an awful lot of them did. And it would be the place where they would gather, they would read the scripture. And he was going into these places and he's teaching and the people are amazed at his teaching. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. I love this, that Jesus went to the synagogue regularly. That was his custom. He did it. And I think he didn't need to go. Of all of the people that needed to go to church, if synagogues could be associated as like church, it wouldn't be Jesus. And you think that he's in the synagogue and he's probably listening to some of these guys teaching. He's probably thinking, my word, <laughs> what are they saying? Why are they saying that? Why are they portraying God like that? But apparently he's, he's civil and doesn't do that and doesn't do that. So the case for us that, you know, people mess up, we don't have to jump on them at every juncture. So he stood up to read. Jesus stands up to read. Because they would read through the scriptures, and they would go through the scriptures systematically, just reading through it. And when they'd get to the end, they'd start all over again. 
The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him because that would have been the scroll of the day. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written that said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. These are all of the things that would characterize the ministry of Jesus. What? He's anointed by God. He's proclaiming good news to the poor. The poor people like good news. He's proclaiming freedom to the prisoners. Just a couple of days ago, I had a Teen Challenge shirt on that said, uh, freedom from addiction be begins here. Teen Challenge is the most successful drug rehabilitation program in the world, and it's based upon Jesus and Jesus delivering them. And so Jesus does proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Re recovery of sight to the blind. I think this is both spiritual and physical because Jesus gave back physical sight to the blind, but he also gives spiritual sight to those of us who are blind. The oppressed, those who are pushed down by the devil, pushed down by the world, he sets us free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And all the people were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said. And Jesus said to them, surely you're going to quote to me the proverb that says, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we heard you do in Capernaum. And he said, I tell you, no prophets accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Nahum. And all of the people in the synagogue were furious when he said this. They got up, they drove him out of town, they took him to the brow of the hill of the town in which he was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. It wasn't his time to die yet. Amazing how fickle people are. They're amazed at his teaching and then two minutes later they want to kill him. <laughs> Be patient with people. I'll walk with Jesus. So hey, bless you guys. Love you.